0: Welcome to another episode of the Dakota Resource Council podcast here on a fine and lovely February day, at least in Bismarck anyway. The snow's melting, nice warm temperatures, our executive director's probably going to start really getting on his bike on the weekends and riding the rough hills and getting muddy. Me, I'll be sitting on the couch watching basketball. That's the difference between us two. But anyway, we do have a guest today, and it is DRC's executive director Scott Skokas from uh, the lovely city of Bismarck. Uh, but we are googling because you know we're kind of back and forth at the office here. So if there's any funny noises, it's a it's a video chat. But um, what we're going to talk about today has been a hot button issue uh, rather quickly too, and and we've been getting some calls from members and other folks uh, along the uh, basically about their property because what we're going to be talking about today is a pipeline and it's not you know the keystone pipeline it's it's not crude oil pumping through there we'll get to all that here in a minute uh but first scott how are you and will michigan state win the national championship this year in college basketball
1: i'm doing pretty well sean and uh, my alma mater of michigan state i don't think will win the national championship but i'm hopeful At least we're doing better than your Wolverines. Well, hey, Um,
0: we're on a hot streak right now, so maybe we'll meet up in the Big Ten tournament. Exactly. And jobs will Ah. be on the line. If Michigan (laughs) wins, folks, you heard it right here, if Michigan wins uh, the Big Ten tournament and they beat Michigan State, I will be the new executive director of DRC, (laughs) um, and that overrules the board. So um, uh, all complaints will come to me after the basketball season. But anyway, uh, back to... (laughs) Back to uh, a topic here. We have been getting phone calls here, Scott, on, on uh, this uh, pipeline, the carbon capture and sequestration pipeline. Can you tell us a little bit more about this project, of, of who's doing it, what its proposal is, and where on earth is it going to lead to?
1: Sure. Um so kind of backing up the the pipeline's called Summit Carbon the Summit Carbon Solutions pipeline and it's a massive carbon um, capture pipeline. And so what they're going to do is um and it's mainly servicing the ethanol industry throughout the um upper Midwest and um the uh, Plains states. So think like Iowa, North Dakota, um, Minnesota, parts of Illinois, South Dakota, etc. So like there's in Nebraska as well. And so what the pipeline is going to do is going to, it's looking to um, capture uh, CO2 from 33 to 35 um, ethanol plants throughout the Midwest and then pipe that carbon North to store it and deep and turn it near uh coal country of North Dakota. So like McLean County or Mercer County. So Bueller Underwood are the potential locations for that. And so this is, It sounds like a neat solution to uh, the pollution issue around ethanol plants and things like that, but that's not exactly the case. This is being driven in some ways by forces outside of North Dakota. Governor and the legislature and our congressional delegation looks at this as a money-making operation. I mean, we've heard from the governor's office that this is the next gold mine for North Dakota to store carbon in 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 the middle of our state and monetize that. The ultimate play, though, is they're going to store the carbon in the Beulah-Underwood area, and then eventually, they're not saying this, but they'll eventually send it over to our um, declining oil fields in North Dakota to extract more oil. So ultimately, this project is going to potentially raise emissions, but the, the model that they're going to be using is not like Keystone XL for a pipeline. So they're using a hub-and-spoke model. So they have a large line through the middle that goes from Nebraska through Iowa Into uh, South Dakota and then into North Dakota and then there's lines out coming from that Collecting the co2 from the other um, ethanol refineries that are not along the main line So this thing is a spider Um, you can go online Um, We'll have some stuff on our website that shows you kind of like a more visual map of this But the thing is massive Um, It's going we've gotten calls from people across the state that are um, being asked to lease this pipeline Um, and have talked to several attorneys and people are very scared about the potential um, negative effects of this pipeline on, on farm um, and ranch land, mainly because um, there was an incident in Mississippi um, involving a CO2 pipeline. It was in Centarsha, Mississippi, and the thing ruptured. And when it ruptured, um, essentially it gassed the entire town. Luckily, this is a very like rural area. Yeah. And I believe about 20 or 25 people had to be hospitalized because when CO2 pipelines rupture what ends up happening is similar to folks who are in the oil fields know this but you know h2s sean like it uh sinks into valleys and then yep. suffocates and then it just
0: hangs there yeah
1: yep so same thing happens with co2 pipelines because the pipeline is going to be piping the gas at a, a what, what's called a supercritical or semi-critical state which means it's both gas and liquid at the same time i'm not a scientist but that's what i've been reading and when it when it's, um, ruptures at pressure then it will settle low just like h2s and no one will the one thing that i'll say about um, co2 is that no one will even know what's really happening because it's it's odorless it's an odorless gas unless they put something in there to put an make it have an odor it's an odorless gas and co2 on its surface doesn't sound like it's bad for you but the concentrations that that are going to go into the air if these things rupture are incredibly high and are not suitable for life, yeah. so it's not like it's going. to It's not like the carbon dioxide that you breathe from a tree when they're exhaling, um, and breathing in our oxygen. This is like hyper concentrated. Yeah, this like, is pure it, it CO. Really. Yeah. The other thing to note too is that um, tractors and cars, things that require oxygen to run with a motor, will not work if this thing leaks. So what happened in Santarsha is several animals were were killed by the spill and then 20, 25 people had to go to the hospital. Some of them are still experiencing lung damage from the situation, but that was a much smaller pipeline. Um, the Summit Carbon Solutions pipeline, or what I'll call the SCS pipeline, which is what they're calling it, is like about it's it's looking to be about four or five times the size of this pipeline that happened pipeline that ruptured in Mississippi. Yeah, and it's, um, it's so awful. there's so there's some concern there. Um, the other thing we'll note I'll note is that this is the first time that they've done this at this big of a scale. They're doing carbon capture at ethanol plants um, all over the country to some degree, depending on where ethanol is, um, and some places are in deep and turning it right at the site, things like that, where um, I know, I, I believe in like Illinois, and then also there's a site in Richardson, North Dakota, where they're, they're capturing the carbon and then storing it um, with an injection well right there. That is not nearly as scary um, in my mind as um, a pipeline going thousands of miles from Nebraska to North Dakota that's much larger um, with the potential for um, leaks. And so landowners are scared about this. They're scared about um, what it will do to their property values. In addition to, um, they don't think it's a necessary, some landowners have told us they don't think this is a necessary project. And then backing up, like the, the impetus for this project is um, twofold. So there's uh, tax credits at the federal level that are called the 45Q tax credits. And they provide companies that um, can store or reduce their emissions with financial incentives of uh, uh, approximately $50 a, a ton of carbon that they can get for each ton that they store underground. And at the same time, there's carbon markets in California and they have fuel standards that require them to find low low uh, emission or no emissions fuels. And the, peop- the developers of the Summit Carbon Solutions Pipeline look at this opportunity to do this to one, get the 45 to Q tax credits and get paid for that and then also have a, have a captive market in California to sell um, their low emission or no emission ethanol. Um, and so in some ways what's happening is, is the typical um, North Dakota is a resource colony of, of outside forces again, where um, our farmers and ranchers have to bear the risks of a company that's doing business to sell a product elsewhere. So that's one thing I'll note um, that's kind of an interesting thing around this um the other thing to note too is that the governor and others have been uh boosters of this project and it's part of uh governor burgum's um carbon neutral plan so um when he talked remember sean when he talked about the carbon neutral thing yes uh, plan at the the uh Lillison petroleum uh conference last year that that this is a part of that okay the other part of that is also doing carbon capture at coal power plants so what um, Burgum and company want to do is to make North Dakota the most attractive place for carbon capture. And by having a storage zone up in coal country, that's how they can do that. And the other thing to note, too, is that beyond just just this, our government's also subsidizing some of the work around the injection zone for this through the Clean Sustainable Energy Authority, which is a, um entity that was created in the 2021 legislative session, mm-hmm. which DRC opposed because it had no actual clean sustainable energy on um, represent represented on um, its leadership Um, and the clean sustainable energy authority provides grants and low interest loans to uh, companies for reducing emissions our opinion of that thing was that they should have they should be allowing battery companies and wind companies and things to also apply for these grants to essentially level the playing field so it's not just fossil fuels that are getting um fossil fuels and others that are getting these subsidies from the government because those are ultimately those are our tax dollars
0: Mm -hmm. well so now that we know you know what this is and yeah i'm looking at the the map here and it is quite spidery i mean it even goes into southern minnesota so we've got five states involved in this um where where are we at in the process with this obviously landowners are are kind of being contacted right now, right? And 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 talking about this. I mean, what what needs to be approved overall for this to really get going, and what can people do about it?
1: Sure. So um, in other states, it's further along. So in in like for Iowa, for example, we've been in contact with several um, groups that are working with landowners, attorneys um, that are and and lobbyists who are working in Iowa around this. And right now in Iowa. The the is looking somewhat questionable because there's a lot of um, landowner opposition um, from the right, the left, everywhere. Just anyone who's a landowner, and there's it's a it's a uh, multi uh, multi group uh, coalition um, that spans political spectrums that's opposing this in Iowa. And Iowa currently is in the um, the essentially their public utilities commission, the equivalent of our PSC is is where they're at so they just filed the permit um with iowa and um they did in the permit um say that there's potential for to use eminent domain on certain tracts of land because they're not getting the leases they need to Mm. um secure enough landowners to get the pipeline so they're they're hinting at the fact that they might use eminent domain what we've heard from the representatives of summit carbon solutions in north dakota is they are likely to apply for a permit in February or early March and then that's when the timeline starts ticking in North Dakota most likely um, it would be a routing permit to start um, and they, if they get that routing permit and then they do not get the leases they need then it would proceed into potentially eminent domain proceedings and that's when the rubber meets the road in North Dakota the other thing to note for North Dakota and for the whole project is that the, the uh, injection zone has to work, um, and that also needs to be fully permitted as well before this can all happen, because currently they don't, they're just testing the site right now um, and looking for approval for the injection site. And I, I believe they will, because our regulators are very supportive of this. Um, it goes all the way up to the governor's office. So likely that will not be a hurdle for this company, but DRC will fight that. Um, with our landowner members that are opposing this, um, we've been getting calls from people from Beulah, from uh, Underwood, from Oaks, even in the east side of the state, Castleton, near the Therulton, um ethanol plant, as well as some places south of Bismarck, and then also people from the Silver Ranch development in Bismarck who are being asked to lease in that brand-new development. Yeah, where no kidding. A you build a new house, new, uh, and all of a sudden a pipeline's coming through brand new elementary school. So we could see some uh some hints of the Dapple situation, which I hope does not happen, but it looks it could potentially be a reroute issue um for the f- listeners out there. The Silver Ranch development is owned for the most part by the Wachter family in Bismarck, which is a prominent developer. And I, I just don't foresee that going through that that property, but you never know.
0: Yeah. But well um, it depends on how much a fight the the company wants, I guess. Um yeah. Well, it sounds like a big headache, number one. Uh, this is quite quite the project, and a lot of people aren't happy. So what I suggest to you, if, if you are uh, somewhere, we'll, we'll get this up on social media here. In fact, by the time this podcast is out, it'll be up on social media. We'll send it to our, out to our members. Um, if you know anyone on that property, uh, in the uh, path of the pipeline and they own land, you might want to head them our way. Uh, but, yeah, it looks like we'll be working with groups all across the Midwest on this one uh, as this project keeps on going along. Uh, like yeah, I said, and North-
1: we'll be working with our sister group, Dakota Rural Action in South Dakota, on this. Um, there's already active coalition out there that's working to fight this around the region. One thing I'll say, too, is that if you're a landowner and you get a lease from these guys, please don't sign it. The general rule of thumb for leases, in my mind and our attorney's minds, is that if you didn't ask for the lease, don't sign it. Because once you sign that lease, you essentially are locked into um, that agreement and you cannot renegotiate. You are stuck in that agreement until the, the time of the agreement ends. Or if they build the pipeline, then you're kind of just stuck with it. So don't sign the lease. From what we saw with other pipelines Landowners even potentially got the same amount of money they got from their lease during the eminent domain proceeding. So even if they go eminent domain, um, you'll probably you'll still get paid. So there's no reason to sign the lease, and you didn't ask for this on your property. So there's no reason for you to sign. It's not like you you're asking to for somebody to come on your property and do something. Yeah. So just don't sign is our recommendation. And if you want any more information, um, you can talk to myself. Scott Skokas, my email is Scott at DRC Or you can talk to Elliot, um, who's our organizer that's specifically working with landowners on this. And his email is Elliot E-L-I-O-T at DRC.com.
0: Yes, DRCinfo.com. And I'll I'll make sure in the uh description of this podcast that the uh, contact information is there and um uh we'll we'll get everyone lined up. But uh yeah, like like Scott said, if this is uh going to affect you or your family or someone you know. Just uh, give us a call because uh, we need these uh, big lists and keep everyone informed of what's going on in the process and, and next steps and, and how to you know stop this from uh, hindering your land, your life, and everything else. So, uh, yeah, it is quite scary. Reading an article on uh, what happened in Mississippi, that's something that I don't really want even my worst enemy to go through and, and for this to be one of the biggest carbon pipelines uh, in the nation it is a little scary so i i don't want to be the first example of something <laughs> uh if something goes wrong i don't want anyone uh, along this path to be a part of that so
1: yeah i mean and sean you and i have seen the experiments from the fossil fuel industry with different transportation methods uh trains remember what happened yep to trains? the bomb trains they exploded um pipelines they spill and they go into the rivers etc so i mean in a lot of ways a lot of energy transportation is never a safe business in a lot of ways
0: well there you have it so if if you uh even if you aren't in the path if, if you're interested in helping out just give us a call and um yeah we'll we'll gather everyone together keep you updated on what's going on and what needs to be done next and uh we'll just continuously work with uh members that have called and work with other groups on the other states and and keeping informed so uh, watch your emails watch our social media and of course the podcast so scott thanks for coming on that was a whole mouthful i'm glad it was you and not me but you're the one with uh information you and elliot so uh yeah just if it comes to pipelines don't ask me ask scott and elliot I'm just good to make sure that you sound all right on a podcast. So that that's we'll all, what so. Do. all right. <laughs> all right, well that'll do it here this week on the DRC podcast. Uh, like I said, we'll keep you informed and on the know.